0: weekly. We get together every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern and everything on either side of that. We get together every week. I'm Bill Gross, your host. We get together every week and try to help us increase our income and our wealth by being better at our businesses, uh, where we have investors, wholesalers, real estate agents, attorneys, vendors. Uh, We actually have several attorneys on the call here today I know of. One's marginal, one's real. The real one's our guests. I try to interview attorneys really all across the country, uh, but in uh, this week I have one that not only is my local market, I met him at the probate court in Los Angeles at the Moss court house we're outside one day we're, we're waiting. And so we've kind of created a relationship since then and work on some things together. And I'm really excited to have William Hayes of the Hayes Law Firm of Pasadena, California as our guest today. Hey, Mr. Hayes, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing well, Bill, how are you?
0: Fantastic. And one thing I'm a real admirer of vintage photos of Los Angeles, in the background, he has a I'm guessing it's like a nineteen sixty-five era photo of Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, it would have to be the late sixties at least. I mean the early sixties at least. Yeah. Uh, I bought it because I saw a, a 58 Chevrolet Impala in the lower corner there, which was my first car. So I, I didn't have a choice. I had to buy it.
0: Wow, very nice. Yeah, '58. I think I think my father had one as younger. Uh, mom was a '58, but around day, right? Well, anyhow, yeah. so um, well, welcome to our call today. So you are a real attorney. I know I verified on the bar uh, <laughs> bar website. I know your license number, um, uh, and you're here in Pasadena. Give me a little background. though, how did you get into the practice of law, and then specifically what stirred you into probate and estate planning, which I call avoiding probate.
1: Well, I, I was an entertainment attorney. Um, and uh, for a firm um, that uh, represented a lot of uh, people from film and music, and one of the clients was uh, an old 50s actress, Susan Hayward. Uh, Miss Hayward had uh, been uh, awarded the Best Actress Award for uh, by the Academy. Uh, when she died, uh, I was asked to handle her probate, and that was my first involvement with anything having to do with estates, and I discovered that I liked it more than I liked doing entertainment work, and I've been doing it ever since.
0: So I guess everybody's first case, you know, is their first case, right? Same with real estate. The first house I sold was the first house I sold, and you got to get started somewhere. Um, so that's not a surprise. But you stayed with it, and and how long have you been in probate slash uh, estate planning since that time?
1: Wow, thirty plus years. Yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly. Maybe I don't want to know exactly. <laughs> it's been a long time.
0: Well, and I talk to, you know, attorneys who um, get into this and, and rarely do they see them get out or looking to get out of it. I've talked to attorneys in other fields. Mm-hmm. will say they're looking to move out of X into something else. But it seems the kind of thing that once people find it and find their place in it, seem to stay with it. What is it that attracts you or keeps you interested or that you like so much about it?
1: Well, it's far lower stressed than than other fields. I mean, I I know a lot of the state attorneys who were formerly litigators, and uh, if you you can imagine if you're doing litigation that's going to be high stress. And, and dealing with the states is kind of a more genteel kind of practice. You know, you are working with people, you're working with families, you're trying to help them. They understand that, and for the most part, um, you know, you are able to represent them with, and kind of work together to reach the common goal.
0: Now, I do know that there are, are times when there is litigation in probate court, or there's litigation in trust that is handled in probate court in LA County. Do you handle litigation as well when it comes up? Do you handle some litiga- litigation? How do you how do you draw the line there for you?
1: Yeah, it, it used to be that I would do the litigation, but <clears throat> I, I came to the point, that, of understanding that I couldn't do them both. I, I could not be effective as a transactional attorney as well as a litigation attorney. So I opted to do just estate plans and I refer the uh, litigation to those who are more worthy than me for handling that kind of thing.
0: And I find it interesting that I hear with conviction attorneys say both. Some will say, I only do it to specialize and feel better. And my, my strength, I hear the ones that say, Doing both helps me be better at both and and I think it's a personality thing I don't think it's there's a right answer it's gotta be the right answer for you and your business and your clients right.
1: For sure yeah I, for me I just didn't think that I could effectively do both. I, I, yeah it, I, in my mind and I'm, I'm sure other people have worked it out for their own circumstance, but right. in my mind, it, it seems that you have to set up your practice to do litigation right and have that uh, that mindset for most of the time.
0: Right. And I I just couldn't do the both. Right. So let's talk about estate planning. In my mind, the simple explanation of what is estate planning is really avoiding probate. Now, there's more to it than that. Obviously, avoiding guardianships, avoiding conservativeships. It's really avoiding, you know, planning ahead to avoid deeper legal problems. How do you explain to lay people what's estate planning? What's the benefit of it? Why should they pay attention to it?
1: Well, I I usually explain estate planning by saying to people that it's it's a a compilation of different documents uh, that would comprise an estate plan and the central document being a trust and that trust is in most instances a revocable trust and a, a trust that you can get rid of amend whenever you want to and in that trust you're going to name who your uh successive trustees in, are in the event of your disability or upon your eventual death. You're going to talk about who your beneficiaries will be and whether there will be any conditions for those beneficiaries to receive the assets. And you will set up the plan of distribution. Uh, in addition to the trust, there's a support document uh, called a pour-over will. And a pour over will is unlike the Typical will that we think of that says, I hereby leave my earthly possessions to this person or that person. A pour over will is a support document for the trust. And so if you have a trust and you later acquire an asset and you forget to title that asset in the name of the trust, and by the way, the trust uh, assets have to be titled in the name of the trust for the trust to have impact on those assets. But if you later acquire a piece of property or an open a financial account and you don't have that asset in your trust, you can go into court for that client and say, Your Honor, it was the intention of Ms. Jones that this asset not go through the probate court process and we'd like to pour it over into the trust. In addition to that, we do uh, uh, powers of attorney, uh, powers of attorney for financial matters to make sure that the... Uh, you've empowered somebody to make sure they can access your accounts and make sure the utility bills continue to be paid and the mortgage is paid if you're disabled. And of course, we would do the healthcare power attorney. And there you name the person who's going to uh, represent you in dealings with doctors and hospitals and so forth. Uh, and then there's a document that we uh, uh, call a medical authorization or a HIPAA form. And that's to um, enable someone to receive copies of your medical records if they have any concerns about your treatment
0: Yeah, as I mentioned to you before uh, our call today that you know I got into this business partially because having gone through probate and this process with my parents and my wife's parents, since so we've been through it four different occasions and mm-hmm. it's amazing when you have the right documents, you know, the the stress of a parent or a loved one in health issues is difficult enough. When you start arguing with the health administrators over who they're taking direction from that just adds to the stress and the proper documents will help you avoid that in the first place so um okay so i'm sorry for somebody to mute themselves so a couple couple just a quick note here this is meant to be participative so if you have any questions love to have you participate raise your hand um uh love to have you ask question the chat box i'll get to it on the online, if you're watching it on YouTube or Facebook Live, uh, as well, you can ask questions yeah. there, and we're glad to to help you. Okay, I'm going to have to get her out of here because that's becoming a problem. One second. Um, um, uh, feel free to participate there on YouTube. We got two comments already. One is apparently there's a fan on the call of um, Susan Hayward that she was great uh and also somebody on Facebook no, notice your picture it must be an old picture because there's no traffic so you can see City Hall in the background over your shoulder there uh and uh, that was like the last time must have been an accident right before they took the picture because it's not uncommon this traffic but if you have questions please feel free to put in the chat box raise your hand love to have this be as participative as possible so we can ask some great questions um okay and can we hear me yes so I do know that on your side I don't know if Byron's still around or still around we have a little volume there any way to trip the volume on your side uh William it'd be great if it's oh, he
1: took off let's see okay you need to turn down did you say that's, that's perfect
0: no what are we doing right now is perfect
1: okay that's okay. perfect
0: a little louder that's great okay um okay so so um estate planning really is a whole series of tools to help people both when they're alive and having health issues and not capable and when they pass and so you covered a number real quickly the most common one that we get involved with in real estate is a living trust. If it's in the trust or not, and is titled in the trust or not. So commonly when somebody has a trust, one of the things we discover, we get phone calls from a, from a family member. It says, well, you know, Aunt so-and-so died or grandma, so-and-so died. And, um, my cousin, my brother is administering the trust. I think I'm entitled to some of it, but, um, I don't know. And I can't get him to tell me anything. What, what rights, if any, do heirs have or family members have in the case of a trust um, if they're not administering, if they're not named by the uh, the trustee to find out about if they're entitled to some portion of the trust or how things are supposed to run? If you're not given a copy and if the, um, the, the uh, um, trustee doesn't want to give you a copy, what are your options or are there any?
1: Well, there are options. If you are a beneficiary, you are entitled to a copy of the trust and you send a letter to that person demanding that they provide you one. Uh, but even if you're not a beneficiary and if you might be an heir of that deceased person, uh, a natural heir, and you, but it turns out that you may have been disinherited, you're still entitled to get a copy of the trust because that person who has been disinherited is entitled to uh, mount an argument as to why they might be uh, entitled to a share in the estate. Now, if the person absolutely refuses to give you a copy of the trust, then of course you're gonna to have to file a petition in court uh, as to why they shouldn't provide that. And of course the court, you know, if if you fall into one of the categories that I've mentioned will uh, require that they provide that. And you can certainly ask for sanctions against them for their failure to act.
0: And that might be evidence of not doing what they're supposed to do. And a reason why they might be removed down the road so they are so if you're a natural heir meaning child grandchild or only known relative or one of a few known relatives um you're entitled to copy the trust to I guess prove that if you're not in, to inherit to prove that you're disinherited and that was done validly um does that mean an entire copy of the trust or just certain parts
1: of it no the entire trust
0: yeah I don't think people know that because I, I get that I didn't know that I get that phone yeah. call all the time. Um, And the second case we get all the time is um, the property is titled in a trust. Uh, We know there was a trust because we saw the documents when the property was sold, but we can't find a copy of the trust. Um, So, and I know I'm on the LA uh, County Bar as an affiliate. I see in the listserv, you know, discussions all the time about lost copies of trusts. What happens in those cases when there obviously was a trust at some point in time and there's no copy or no draft or no indication of what it was, what happens at that point?
1: Well, you can go into court and make the argument that, um, uh, what, based on whatever evidence you can present, uh, whatever documentary or, or, or uh, other evidence that you can re- present as to what the trust might've uh, provided. Uh, certainly, if, if you are the, uh, the uh, next in line beneficiaries, you can argue that uh, we are entitled to uh, uh, have substituted judgment in in terms of uh, indicating that there's a trust. And we would have been entitled to receive the assets as the next in line heirs of that deceased person. And we want to avoid probate and therefore you might get a a ruling from the court that will allow you uh, to uh, have a judgment that this um, matter can avoid probate
0: oh so there's two possibilities I see one is you can go you can go to court I guess and 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 say there there should be trust somewhere Mm
1: -hmm.
0: can't find it I'd be next in line I'm the natural person to be the trustee appoint me the trustee of the trust and then I'll dispose of the assets according to what the law the normal statutory distribution of assets for a probate like the default would that be the, the
1: exactly. normal course now of course it, it, that's not going to be an easy argument to make i mean but that that is a possibility
0: and i guess the other one would be to invalidate the trust by saying there's no copy or proof of it or what it says therefore it just becomes like a probate and to follow probate and
1: it would become a probate exactly yeah and that's going to happen in, in most cases quite frankly
0: in most cases yeah I would think to say that the trust doesn't exist, would be a pretty high bar to prove that at some point yeah. And and there's anybody objecting that becomes for sure litigation. Absolutely. Do you do you handle the the if there's no objection to it, I mean it's technically litigation going to court is that something you would handle as an attorney. if we had those kind of circumstances to some point or how would, where do you, where, where do you draw the line on that as far as your practice.
1: Well, because we we, we're pretty busy, I try to uh, give those kinds of things off to someone else. Got it? Yeah,
0: yeah. Because they're they're somewhat litigious, or if it starts off with that problem to begin with, it doesn't get better right over time.
1: (laughs) Exactly, it it just becomes more and more sticky, and you you just can't get out of it. So I just choose not to be involved.
0: It's like in real estate. You know, listings never get better or easier. They only get worse over time. It's like it's like food in the refrigerator. It's great when you first get it home from the restaurant, but it just gets goes bad the longer you have have it around, and the sooner you get rid of it, the better. I'm sure uh, legal cases the same way. There's just more chances for some error to pop out of the woodwork or some story to pop out of the woodwork, uh, for sure. Yeah. What? So, um, um, one of the questions that says I don't think it applies to you as much as to other probate attorneys. Is what happens when a client wants to probate something, but there's not enough equity in the property to pay for your fee? So one of the things we're, we're headed back towards, perhaps, uh, like we had 2009 and 10, where so many short sales, where people have property, they want to transfer the property, they want to maybe keep it in the family or keep it, you know, to somebody who wanted to buy it, but there wasn't enough equity to pay for all the costs. And it ends up being a short sale. Have you been involved in any? probably administration or trust administration with short sales and and what's your experience been with that
1: no i've i've not been involved in any with short sales and and but to answer the 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 basic question if if there's not enough equity i mean i i generally just try to work it out with the administrator as to how else they may choose to pay the fee right Uh, otherwise it's not uh, you know just as a business person it's not worth me uh, taking the case
0: right And, and i think also people appreciate once you're a trade take a case, it's not like you can just automatically counsel walk away. You sometimes run the risk of being forced to continue and put more time into a bad case, right? I don't know the exact legal terminology, but the judge might say, no, we need somebody to handle it. And they may not approve you leaving the case. And that's always a a sticky issue, I think, for attorneys.
1: That's true, yeah. So once you're in it, um, there's a good chance the judge may not let you out unless you have some reason other than your loss of revenue. Uh, but they, they may keep you in the case.
0: Right, they're never, I, I've seen, they're just not sympathetic to that argument Not at all, all. no, <laughs> they don't, not at They all. don't care at all. No, uh, Yeah, uh, I get that. I guess as a practice, you know, attorneys mm-hmm. often do a lot of things pro bono, so they're gonna decide, this is one you're gonna do, to clear my docket, I'm gonna have you here work on this one pro bono, and exactly. the attorneys just, and I think it's also expense money you have to put up advance and, and mm-hmm. out of pocket, and it's, uh, it's all a whole problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. um. Chris asked a question on a uh, trust. Um, sometimes you'll have two co-trustees and one person will decide cuz later in life, you know they they come they were they were approaching their 50s, would you be a trustee? Sure. 15 years later, life changes and now they don't want to do it. Can one of the two co-trustees unilaterally resign or what happens in that circumstance?
1: Yes, they can. Yes, they can. And it depends on the trust as to what happens next. I mean, there may be some trusts that require that there be co-trustees. So you may have to find another trustee. Uh, It may be that if one person leaves, there may be language in the trust that says uh, there are uh, certain beneficiaries who can determine who will be the next trustee. Or it may be that you have to go into court and get an order.
0: So these are the kinds of things that you're gonna interview a family or interview a a beneficiary, a, a, a client. To determine what they want and then there's different options based on what their goals are
1: sure for sure yeah
0: and what has to be customized i think this is one of the things i i love the fact there's no low cost estate plans for people who can't afford an attorney and get one but what i don't love is when people get one that's inappropriate for them they end up with something that's a boilerplate and their life you know lives usually on boilerplates just uh, as a general rule
1: that that's that's a problem that w- we've seen a, a number of times that where there's not sufficient language in there to, to meet a particular issue because somebody went out to try and get documents based on cost and so they get the cheapest thing that they can and you know i that's understandable because you know people buy things um <clears throat> based on what they know about those things and so they may see trust as just a um how can I say, uh, maybe just as another um, uh, asset like buying a, a bag of sugar, for instance, you know, you, you buy a bag of sugar here it's going to be different is this going to be the same at another store. But they differ and that's why I know that we provide a service most estate planning attorneys provide a service that meet the needs of the particular person or family. Uh, in my office, we also practice a, a specialized form of estate planning known as elder law, and um, I always contend that um, you you really don't have a complete estate plan unless your estate plan uh, encompasses planning for how you will deal with long term care medical bills, uh, the bills that come with aging. And statistically, you know, if you the Department of Health says seven out of ten people over the age of sixty five will wind up with long-term care health problems. Well, if, that, if that's the case, you you know that your health insurance does not pay for long-term care health problems. That means that if Medicare w- doesn't pay for it and they will only pay for up to hundred days, then the, the burden is yours to pay for that, which means that you, nine times out of 10, you can't afford to pay for it because who can afford to pay for hospital bills? Right. Uh, so, um, I don't know where I started with that bill, but I knew I was going somewhere.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's part of, there's a full service of broiler plate is your offering. Sure. And I know you do more than that. I know you do yeah. charities. Yeah. You've done webinars on, I guess I would consider little niche, product niches within the space. Mm-hmm. Charities, I saw you do one wanted pets. Mm-hmm. And these are real concerns that people who have money want to be able to take care of their pets or take care of a charity that's important to them after they pass. And so your broiler plates just don't do a very good job of addressing personal needs that are different and and so that's where for for somebody who's just purely cost simple you know estate plan maybe but somebody has some particular needs that's why you would come to an attorney like mr hayes to get something personal so on the facebook i know they're watching because they said that among other things again they know that the picture must be old because the smog wasn't so bad i actually think smog was worse in the 60s than it is now i I was around in in grade school but that's just my personal opinion um Mm -hmm but he says that to go back to the topic on um trusts and getting copies of it um if you've been disinherited Mm -hmm. and um they don't send you a copy of trust how do you find out that somebody passed so in probate I know there's a requirement to publish um the you know the filing of the probate Mm -hmm. um is there any kind of requirement like that with trusts um that would notify uh meaning if you have your know, family members who theoretically might be being disinherited or might be you know written out of the trust you know how would they know about it is there any process of notification for trust similar to
1: probate there is there's a statute that requires <clears throat> that notice be sent out to all beneficiaries or heirs or potential heirs and that could include those people who are disinherited
0: so if somebody came to you and said hey i'm the next in line or, you know, an obvious one of the heirs or beneficiaries, but I didn't get anything, um, what would the process be hiring an attorney to make those contacts for them and find out what's going on? Or what, what would the process be?
1: Well, the notification t- says that they are entitled to request a copy of the trust if they want one. There you go. Yeah.
0: So technically, they're gonna they're gonna be notified, mm-hmm. or they should be unless the person's acting in bad faith and they should be um get a copy of it or the ability to request a copy and they should get one back so um okay um another question is um so I, i don't know if you've seen this um uh there's software that a company has approached real estate agents who are certified in probate to assist estate planning attorneys in the client's gathering of documents so it's like a third party software that I might, as a real estate agent, encourage customers to put their documents in and then share them with the attorney that way, tax returns, bank statements, mortgage statements, things like that. Have you worked with any kind of software like that, or do you have one for your firm that you use for your files, or is that something that you're not familiar with?
1: I've heard generally about that. Uh, No, we don't have any particular type of file that we provide that would help people organize in that way. Our, our as estate plans generally will uh, have a place in there for people who want to keep documents uh, in the binder, and we also use a service that uh, allows our clients to keep all their documents in the clouds with a company that's been around for uh, what close to 25 years and they represent thousands of families never been hacked, they use banking security measures. So if you want to keep your your estate plan uh, with this company in the clouds, you can also keep insurance policies and deeds and so forth. So we have a way for them to do that. because, And that is a real concern, because I I can't tell you the number of times I've had people who tell me, uh, generally not our own clients, but people who come to us and can't find the documents, as you were mentioning earlier, heck there may not be a lot that can be done so whoever does uh, whoever has a, a trust or a estate plan needs to consider how they're going to store the documents and how they're going to allow the people who will be in charge of their affairs to access those documents right yeah. so.
0: and for a potentially long period of time right because i sure. mean you,
1: yeah. you might
0: write the trust and not need it for 10 15 years but you want it to be there 15 years from now and and be available in some format yeah. For sure um okay so then you're not so you've not been approached with a third-party software you have one that's i think is that tied into your estate planning documents is that part of like the package that you use as an attorney when you create the documents or is it something is the storage a, a third-party service that's separate from that
1: it is a third-party service and, and when we uh, um, represent a client we pay for the first year of a subscription with that company and it's only about thirty dollars or so pretty kind of so it's certainly economical enough for somebody to want to keep it for years.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I, interesting. Uh, I thought I'd see, I actually use that on on one that we did. So um, let's jump back for a second, because I know one of the topics that's really high, and you you're definitely an expert in this area and the trustees. What would liability be? What if a trustee did not properly notice an error, and there was a property and they transferred and sold it? What kind of liability are they faced with? I mean, I imagine the title company is not going to necessarily know, so they could probably get away with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do do trustees run the risk of being sued personally? Is there a a process that, uh, because I don't think there's any protection. Do you have an experience on that where maybe trustee is trying to avoid an error that maybe they have some issue with and um, doesn't notify them, doesn't give them a copy of the trust? transfers the assets out and says it's too late, everything's already gone. Is that, does that happen and what's the possible risk to the trustee in those circumstances?
1: It, it certainly happens. I've, I've not had it happen with any of our clients, but but I, I always stress to the client, don't try to play hide the ball. Uh, you, you wanna make sure that you notify everybody because it's your butt on the line. And at some point down the line, somebody is gonna come at you from out of the blue and you're gonna be the one liable. You are a fiduciary, and you have a special responsibility to everyone here. And, and uh, you'll be sued if you don't do it.
0: And that's why they have insurance for those trustees to cover for when they make honest mistakes. But they're not going to get covered if they're make if they're caught cheating somebody. That's going to be a problem, I think.
1: For Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure how much uh, how involved you get on the real estate side on probate i uh, want a question from tammy this i think i can answer this question but you know i'd be glad to get your answer what's it mean when a real estate sale says a probate sale how's a probate process and or offer process different i guess tammy are you a real estate agent or are you an investor i guess that'd be a fair question to to ask to make sure you understand the, the concept and then also what state are you in your an investor and what state are you in tammy Because what I, what I tell what I tell um, real estate agents, I train them. I say, listen, um, you know, if a probate is uh, doesn't require court confirmation, there's a couple forms different, but it's basically a regular sale. But if it's a court confirmation, that's a whole different animal. And, and really, that would be more than we could here okay, in California, got it. So if it it depends if it has the words in there. If a court confirmation is required, if it does, I would just say that's a whole discussion. I have my YouTube channel. That's my specialty. Sales with court confirmation required. That's where there's litigation, on probate, or guardianship or conservatorship cases. So it's probably a little beyond the scope here. But what's your experience, um, Mr. Hayes, as far as real estate and probate? Do you have consumers who buy property, and do you, they, you know, they call you up and ask you questions about the process? And what's it look like to you when when people are looking to buy property in a probate case, as a buyer or seller?
1: Well, I I have an obligation to um, let the client know that somebody is seeking to buy the property. If the estate is represented by an agent, I'm going to turn that over to the agent.
0: Yeah, because that's our job is to to know that and and to train the invest to train the customers and train the other realtors. And Mm -hmm. frankly, that's why I do this call. Part of my job is as a listing agent to train the buyer's agents, and so I'll often say, well come on my call on Thursday and I'll, you know, you meet an attorney and you'll learn a little bit about it and try to help them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, are there companies that offer insurance, I know the answer is yes, are there companies that you work with that offer um, insurance for uh, trustees, successful trustees?
1: There are companies that do that, there are bonding companies that do this. I've seldom, quite frankly, had trustees actually acquire it. But uh, there are companies that will provide it.
0: Just because it's not cheap, a couple thousand right. dollars on a, a million dollar states can going to be a couple thousand dollars, I would think. Mm-hmm. And um, most people say, "Well, I don't need to do that. I'll just follow the rules." <laughs> it's easier to follow the rules, and and probably the people who don't get it are the ones who need it. But that's a <laughs> yeah. whole.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true.
0: <laughs> and you hope those are the other guy's customers, not yours, or that guy's clients, not your clients. All right okay hey look i I could have this conversation with them all day long which i'm I'm fine to continue but um feel free to ask questions facebook's been real active and i got another question lined up there from facebook um feel free to ask questions raise your hand in the in the uh uh in the uh, zoom app or put a question in the chat box and just put a cue before it be glad to to uh get any questions you guys have so um one question is if an heir wants to reject the inheritance i had this happen last week it was another state so i deferred attorney in another state but it was a case where there's like eight or nine family members bickering and he just said i don't want anything to do with it how do i get out of it what would the process be for an heir to um renounce reject their inheritance if anything
1: yeah they can disclaim their interest in the estate and it would go to the next person in line entitled to an interest in the estate
0: um next question from katrina actually this is a this is a very complicated question which has some good points i'm sure you must um in your practice now have just because the population is getting older and and, you know these things like dementia or and alzheimer's became more common you must you know approach people who are either on the threshold of no longer able to handle things themselves or cross the threshold and the family didn't recognize it Or maybe legally you recognize it but they don't can you talk a little bit about you know the competence of the of the um you know uh i guess in this case the um already and and how you make a decision how you make an assessment i mean you're not a doctor but you have a legal responsibility as similar to assess the competence of your prospective client correct
1: yeah well you do and uh, you're right not a doctor um i have um and when people have come in to sign documents, and I have some uncertainty about whether they're competent to do so, I I, I don't know if you're familiar with the mini mental exams, but no. there are a series of questions that you can ask to, to uh, assess the ability of a person to sign documents or to to do anything for that matter. And I will ask those questions to satisfy myself as to whether I should be involved in uh, this uh, uh, estate plan. I mean, oftentimes we get uh, family members or even non-family members, people who have suddenly befriended an elderly person and they're trying to bring them through the office to get them to sign documents. And so you have to stay constantly vigilant about whether, this uh, person is about to get scammed by somebody. We had that discussion, in fact, today about a situation where uh, a person was bringing in a family member and it's, um, that person would be getting a, a large interest in the, this, the elderly person's uh, uh, estate to the detriment of, of um, other people who would have otherwise inherited. So, you know, I, after I asked those questions and I feel confident that the person is competent to sign the documents well i i have really no choice i mean it's if they're competent i'm i've got to represent them but i i feel that they're being pressured i'm not going to do it and i'll tell the people that
0: so oftentimes i've seen this and i've experienced this personally where you know a parent uh, you know was is, is starting to lose their abilities mm-hmm. they might be competent but they might have moments where they're not or they might have you know, circumstances where they're not mm-hmm. stress or, or times of the day or whatever. So is there a threshold, you know, because obviously, and this is the question Katrina is asking, you know, children are concerned, I want to get my parents situation locked down legally, so they can't be taken advantage of, we want to get the property titled in the trust, you want to get, you know, control of things so that the the, the caregiver or the ex wife or girlfriend doesn't come in and, and have them sign things frivolously. So, um, Where is that fine line that mom and dad are having problems, you know, but that's a trigger. We wanna use that then to, to get things, or is it too late at that point? Is there a level where they're impaired, but still competent that they can execute these documents and you feel comfortable with it? Or is that line get difficult to assess and requires a more medical assessment?
1: Well, sometimes there are people who may be in early stages of dementia, and they may also have periods of lucidity so if they come in and they are lucid at that time there's nothing wrong with them being able to sign the documents and and the court is likely to affirm that Uh, there are generally two uh, standards by which uh, someone attacks an estate plan a trust and that is that there was someone who exercised undue influence over the uh, person who was completing the documents or that uh, person who was executing the documents was mentally uh, uh, incapable of doing something. so. So as, as long as you can get around those two issues, the, the documents uh, are going to be uh, valid.
0: Seems like anytime there's one group that wants to protect mom and dad with documents, they're going to put things in a trust and, and protect them, the other group is going to accuse them of taking control. It's, it's almost nat- a natural response. You can see yes. it. Right, coming up, and then uh, they'll return phone calls, so they're not going to give them a copy of the trust, but they have to give them a copy of the trust. So you can see that's where the litigation comes in. How do you advise people? Obviously, I'm sure the same thing I am. Obviously, you know, um, on one hand, these people have very hard emotional feelings with these family members. On the other hand, as professional, I'll say to them, if you can just communicate with them, you're going to save yourself a lot of aggravation, because even a, a, a short conversation is better than nothing. They're going to assume you're cheating them if you're not want to talk to them. How, how do you counsel families to make those difficult conversations with three family members they are estranged for decades?
1: Well, that is very difficult. I always try to suggest the mediator, <clears throat> but of course, if, if you're the villain in, the, in this play, you probably aren't going to agree to the mediator. so <clears throat> you may ultimately wind up having to go into court. And, and there are a couple of code sections that uh, govern the filing of, uh, Actions to get a court's determination as to whether this these documents were signed competently and voluntarily. So
0: um I find um, that um, the business of professional fiduciaries is a very limited. They all seem very overworked. Um and and I have somebody here this is the second person who's approached me saying they want to become a fiduciary uh, fiduciary can you explain do you get involved in hiring professional fiduciaries for for trusts or cases and if so can you kind of maybe give me a little overview in that business how is that changing Uh, i know that it's an older population like realtors and attorneys and there's opportunities for people committed to doing a good job and how do you see that industry
1: Uh, yes i have um, helped clients find fiduciaries oftentimes i've gone to the professional fiduciaries association uh, to find these people there are there are uh, accountants and lawyers and financial advisors who also act as caregivers who are willing to act as trustees or power of attorney agents uh, it's sometimes hard for me to vet who that person is because i mean i i can only go by what's been printed about them uh, and that's the only basis I have for advising my clients, there are some that I've had experience with, and the clients have reported back uh, that these are uh, good people to work with and of course when you get that kind of report you continue to refer people to those people.
0: It just seems like that's an area that uh, again this whole area the population getting older assets getting older, like everything else it's, it's becoming more filled. And um, the key is, to, if you're good at it, it seems like the good ones are overwhelmed with business. Yeah. Um, every time I call somebody who's referred to me, they say, well, I'm not taking any more cases right now. Like what a nice place that would be uh, to be in, in uh, business. Um, unrelated, but different attack. Um, so if, can a child use power of attorney to create a trust uh, for a um, family member? Uh, and even if the family were still competent. So can, will the power of, I guess the matter is, what's the power of attorney authorize them to do? Does it allow them to transfer assets like real estate into trusts?
1: You know, that's funny you, you asked that question. That was the last question that someone here in the office just asked me. Uh, and we have this issue right now. Uh, it depends on the power of attorney. And that's that's why you need to not assume that all powers of attorney are the same Uh, some powers of attorney won't allow for estate planning and others will so our powers of attorney for instance do allow for one to do estate planning on behalf of another and if that if that authority is given in the power of attorney yes we will do the power uh, we will do the estate plan
0: i do know one of the challenges is that title companies won't ensure the title unless there's a specific poverty attorney for the transfer of that particular real estate piece. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just to avoid fraud. I, I, I can understand why they would do that. They're, they're not saying you can't sell a property, they're just saying they want not insure title. Mm-hmm. And without title insurance, it's almost impossible to sell a retail piece of property. You can deed it in your family, but you can't really sell it on the open market. So-, well, so
1: well, I'm sorry, I, I, I was just about to, to mention that no matter that I remember dealing with, in, in which uh, a lady had been given prop two properties by her aunts and this con artist um, met the lady who got the properties and convinced her that he was this uh, wise business person who could advise her because she was a fairly naive person and he used the power he got the power of attorney from the lady and he took seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars out of the equity on those properties and you know we we tried as, as hard as we could to get the police involved and they continued throughout that to say that this is just a civil matter and we won't become involved you're going to have to sue the guy and of course we sued him and um he couldn't remember where the money went what are you going to do with that you know
0: you a the artist. yeah yeah and, and usually judgment
1: and it means nothing
0: right and usually those guys they've spent the money already three times over so you know you're yeah. chasing down somebody doesn't have any money yeah somebody, yeah that's mm-hmm. um so another you know i think fairly common um case i've seen in in court for litigation are um you know in deathbeds where somebody you know uh mom and mom has a will or mom has a trust set up and then all of a sudden uh, on her deathbed supposedly uh, he or she makes changes uh, you know, usually to the benefit of the people there at the time the kids that show up or the caregiver who's there um what are the rules and what's the process there as far as kind of those last minute changes um you know up until what time can they make those changes and can they be contested
1: mm-hmm. well they can definitely be contested because they, you remember the the two primary ways in which you attack these plans is uh, either asserting that there was undue influence, or the person was incompetent at the time, and of course, in that's a scenario that you described, both of those would apply. Uh, somebody's on their deathbed, you know, you know, they are certainly not in, at their best. They may, they're, they're certainly vulnerable, and um, and um, somebody's there pressuring them while they're on their deathbed. There's that undue influence, so. Definitely contestable.
0: Yeah, and you see that, and then of course you know the it, it's always. But they're trying to correct a wrong, right? They've discovered mm-hmm. the caregiver had a trust, are trying to fix it, or their the one brother did something wrong, and they're trying. To, so everybody's the good person in the fight when you hear right. when you hear their story of it. But yeah. um, I'm sure you must get through that. They, you know, you listen to them, and of course they're angels. The other guy's the devil, and then you find out ah, it's not quite that way when you really break it down. So
1: sure. I'm yeah.
0: sure you've seen a lot of this over the years.
1: Oh, I, listen! I, 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 one of the worst I saw, Bill, was uh, two brothers who who were wound up in a fist fight over the bed of their father who was dying at, at Kaiser Hospital in Sunset. I mean, they're fighting about what the guy was deciding that he wanted, how he wanted to distribute the estate. And these guys are fighting over him, you know.
0: I remember my my mother. Unfortunately, she lost her mother when she was young, and her father remarried. My mother hated her stepmother and then eventually so my mother's mother had these lusters I don't even know what lusters were that they're that supposedly she should have got it as the only daughter as the oldest daughter mm-hmm. and for years
1: I still she don't talked know to, what lusters are by the way I'm mean, gonna tell
0: you at the end of the story oh. I'll tell you so <laughs> so she and I just remember her talking to her brothers about the lusters and Grandpa oh. to. and eventually of course the the stepmother leaves my grandfather uh to uh move to Florida and leave him there in Philadelphia so my grandfather wants to move to California, be with his grandkids, be with his kids. And my mom's condition was, if you want to come to the house, you need to bring the lusters. And I, put, and I was in high school, like, what are lusters? It must be really valuable. My mom, it's like, it's like life and death. And they brought me, and they're just like two little, i uh, like crystal, I guess you would put a candle on top of them, but they're, and they're pretty to a degree, but there's like these reddish um, cut crystal, but to her, you know, they're important. And I think that's what what's, common these cases is sometimes as the as the professional you go why are they making such a big deal over what seems to be insignificant and the answer is to some people those things are significant and and our job is to you know make the customer happy at some point though Mm -hmm. sometimes my mother got the lusters and that didn't really make her happy the whole thing it's it's never it's never the lusters. so okay last call for questions comments i got a thumbs up on that story the word for the day is lusters. Yeah, I think that's the word for the day. Uh, and and nowadays, just FYI, my, my favorite uncle lives in Las Vegas. He has a lusters. At the end of the day, my mother said, "I don't care to have them. You can have them." Uh, my uncle Rich. And when I go to Vegas, I always make sure that I look at the lusters because they're important. My mother, somewhere in heaven. Uh, it makes you think about her. But it's funny how these things become important in families. It's just you know, kind of crazy. Yeah. Okay. I think we're. I don't think I see any other questions. I, th- I know we've gone through a lot. And and I think, you know, um, I really appreciate a lot that we went into some detail because, you know, we get asked these questions. I don't know that we want to answer them. I think we want to know that these questions are complicated and are directed to the right person. And so I think you're one of the few right people on these things that I could feel comfortable advising to. Um, if somebody had questions on preparing an estate plan to avoid probate or they find themselves in a situation that needs some, some extra advice, what's the best way to um, to get in contact with you?
1: Well, the best way to start might be to just go to our office website, which is LosAngelesTrustLaw.com. And we have webinars that we present regularly yeah. on estate planning, uh, probate, um, trust administration and Medicaid planning. So uh, you can register for one of those webinars at any time. And if you uh, want to uh, give me a call, you can always do that at 626-403-2292.
0: So then the screen is the phone number and the website. And then I've the, the seminars are great. In fact, I've been to a couple of them. I, I remember I was on one one time and I saw the topic about pets. Now. I, you know, I'm just not a real big pet guy, but I thought, mm-hmm. I, I've seen in court people fighting about them. I know that to some of my customers, it's important. And I just found mm-hmm. it fascinating the depth. And then you had to think a particular nonprofit that was involved in providing care or something as well. And so, um, it, you know, these are things, if they're important to you when you're living, they may be important to you after you go and you want to provide for them in your plan. And so you cover... Uh, some of those niches a great source of information and education on your website so I, I know I direct people there all the time thank you so much for your time and your service always always a pleasure talking to you thank you Bill thank you very much for having me and uh, for the rest of you thank you for being on the call today and participating we get together every Thursday this is um, probably weekly every Thursday at 4 p.m pacific 7 p.m eastern we live stream it on YouTube and Facebook and other social media if you're watching this on the a replay feel free to ask questions there or make comments. I check them all as best I can afterwards. Uh, and if you like it, like it or subscribe to it and that way we will do it more often. Appreciate you all. Now if you are in the LA area in about 40 minutes, I'm hosting a real estate networking event at the All Seasons Brewery on La Brea just south of Wilshire. It's an iconic Firestone outer pair building. They've turned it into an outdoor bar. It's fantastic. And we'll be there from 530 to about eight. And if you tell me you're on this call, I'll buy you a free beer. So don't say you don't get anything for free. Winston, it's a long drive for you. I don't think we're gonna get you uh, today. Uh, But for the rest of you, thank you so much for being on the call today. Appreciate you guys and we'll see you next week. Bye everybody. Bye bye, thanks so much.